today's sermon passage is Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 49. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, he acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do your doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy, and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. 
You are witnesses to these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So now our Father and our God, we pray to you in the name of Jesus, our Lord. We pray that you would speak to us from your word today. We pray that you would give us faith. We pray that you would give us hope. We pray that you would give us a renewed spirit of confidence in you to accomplish everything you have promised. So Father, I now ask you to help me Help me to speak your word to those who are hearing. Particularly, Father, help me speak your word to your church in a way that we would be drawn to you and to your promises and to your son and to your word. And so, Spirit of God, we pray that you would accomplish the supernatural today, that as we are dispersed in many places, you would draw us through the word that you have spoken. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you again for being with us this morning, and if you have not already done so, I want to ask you to take your Bible or however you're accessing the scripture this morning, and turn to uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Uh, what we're doing here at Redeemer um, in this sermon series is, is we are actually going to slow down and take time to look at um, the, the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. Um, there are numerous times and places that he appeared, and as he appeared, each one of those appearances is, is intended um, to teach us something that we can build our faith upon. And so um, today, uh, we are going to look at these two appearances in Luke chapter 24. And here's what we see through both of these appearances. There's kind of one theme being driven home. Jesus Christ is God's Savior. And Jesus has always been the plan of God to redeem God's people. Jesus has always been the plan of God to redeem God's people. We see that specifically in the phrase, the completion of all of the Scripture, or the fulfillment of all of the Scripture. So, Jesus, the Son of God, dwelling among us as the Redeemer, as the Savior, as the Lord, as the Messiah, was not a new or a novel idea, but it was the work that God had been eager to accomplish from the very beginning. And so when we finish this passage today, what we're going to see is we have a resurrected Jesus who is the Lord, who lives and reigns over all things, and 
what we're going to see is we have the Bible as a testimony of our need for this great Savior. So our main point this morning, we don't have to pick between Jesus or the Scriptures. But rather, it is Jesus in the Scripture. Jesus as revealed in the Scripture, who shows us our need of salvation, how to have salvation, and our eternal hope through Him. So let's look at the passage together. First point, for those of you who who want to take notes at home, two appearances. Two appearances. This, to me, is one of the most amazing and jaw-dropping stories in all of the Scripture. Effectively, two people are walking a seven-mile journey And the resurrected Jesus shows up and walks with them, rebukes them, shows them that all of the Bible points to Jesus and His death and His necessary death and His necessary resurrection, and they don't even realize it's Him. Until at the end of the day when they break bread. Dumbfounding story that teaches us much. So let's look at the two encounters that happen in this story. Both of them center on Jesus showing up, Jesus revealing himself, but particularly Jesus revealing himself as the completion of the Scripture and the fulfillment of the Scripture. So you have these two encounters in in Luke 24, in the passage we looked at. The first encounter happens on the Emmaus Road. And what I want us to do is just, just walk through the encounters first. Um, the first encounter happens on the Emmaus Road. So Emmaus is a village within seven miles of Jerusalem. Um, Scholars argue much. There's lots of things you could Google this afternoon about exactly where is Emmaus. But what matters for this conversation is it's within a seven-mile journey from the city of Jerusalem. And um, the events of this story are happening on Resurrection Sunday. On the third day after the death of Jesus. So this is on that that Easter morning that we celebrate. These two men, one named, or these two individuals, one named Cleopas and one who is unnamed. Perhaps a spouse, perhaps a friend, perhaps a companion. We, We don't know the other. But they are journeying home from Jerusalem. Uh, What we know about them is they had been witnesses of the events in Jerusalem during this last week of the the life of Jesus. Um, We know from verse 22 that they had been of the company of the followers of Jesus. And what really stands out is they were captivated by the events in Jerusalem. We're told in verse 14 that as they were walking, they were talking with each other about all that had happened. They were were wrestling to make sense of all that had happened in that last week of the life of Jesus. His triumphal entry into the city, his last supper, his being arrested and condemned, his crucifixion, and then 
even stories of his grave being empty on that Sunday morning. So they were walking, talking, wrestling, trying to make sense out of what happened. And we're told the resurrected Jesus joins them on the road and in the conversation. Now the passage tells us in verse 16 that they were prevented from knowing the person was Jesus. Now this is a little bit of a mystery. We're not exactly sure what is going on with this, um, but what the passage tells us is, um, by God's providence, these who had encountered Jesus were not at first able to know that the person who was walking with them was Jesus. And so Jesus asked them a question. What are you talking about? And they're like, what? You don't know everything that happened last week? You don't know about Jesus? We thought he was the Savior. We thought he was our hope. We thought he was the hope of Israel. He died. We hear that his tomb is empty. We hear that he might be alive. We, we don't know what to make of all of this. And so the passage tells us that Jesus calls them slow to hear. He calls them slow to understand. And what he does is he walks through the Scripture. All of the Scripture. Now remember, for these folks at the time, the, the Scripture is what we know as the Old Testament. Um, often broken down into the law and the prophets and the writings. And he walks through all of it and shows them from it that the death of Jesus was necessary and called for and predicted and told of. And the resurrection of Jesus was necessary and called for and predicted and told of. And, and remember, at this point, Jesus is still unknown to them. They arrive in Emmaus. It's late in the afternoon. He is about to leave, and they urge him to stay and invite him into the place where they are staying. And they sit down to share a meal. And at this point, the stranger takes the bread and breaks it. And as he breaks it, they recognize that the stranger is the resurrected Jesus. And then he disappears. I want you to note what they say. In verse 32. They didn't say, Can you believe we spent the afternoon with Jesus? They didn't say, We saw Him. He's alive. But they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he walked on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures? 
they were dumbfounded that by the intervention of God's Spirit, they understood what had happened in Jerusalem that week and why it had happened. It seems that Jesus' purpose in this story was to appear and to reveal Himself. But particularly, He was there to appear and reveal to His followers that His death, His burial, His resurrection, and His appearing was the will of God as long promised. It was God fulfilling His word in their midst. Second story. So these guys, they have walked the journey to Emmaus. They've called it a day, and now they're like, whoa, 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 we have got to get back and tell everybody what has just happened. So in the absence of Zoom, in the absence of FaceTime, they take off and they go back to Jerusalem. And when they get there, they come to where the followers of Jesus, particularly the eleven, are gathered. And they come in, and when they come in thinking they have the story to tell, the eleven meet them and say, Jesus is alive. He appeared to Peter. And then they say, Jesus is alive. He appeared to us. And then we get our second encounter, this, this encounter with the eleven in Jerusalem in verses 33 through 49, because now Jesus appears to all of them. And so Jesus appears in a gathered room, and in classic case of heavenly appearances, he says, peace be with you. We're told there was trouble and there was doubt. And Jesus says to their trouble and their doubt, see my hands, see my feet, touch me and see. So Jesus gives them this great evidentiary proof of his being alive. He says, see my hands, see the wounds, see my feet, see the wounds, touch me, touch me, see I am alive. I'm not a ghost. I'm a, I am the resurrected Jesus. And we're told that they touch him. We're told that they see him. And we're told that he's still struggling to make sense of it all. Not, excuse me, that they, the, the followers, are still struggling to make sense of it all. So they've seen the empty tomb. They've seen the resurrected Jesus. They've seen the wounds. They've touched the wounds. And they're still struggling to make sense of it all. So what does Jesus do? How does he respond? Verse 38, I'm sorry, verse 39, he invites them to a meal. He says, let me have something to eat. And so they sit down and they have a meal. And over the meal, he says, verse 44, these are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. I told you that everything written about me in the law and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. I told you that I had to suffer and rise on the third day. I told you that repentance and forgiveness of sins should come from this as the Scriptures promised. 
So Jesus soothes their doubt by teaching them from the Scripture. And verse 45 says, He opened their minds to understand. The Scriptures promised that a sinful world would find salvation through God's Savior. The Scriptures promised that God would provide the answer to our sin problem. The Scriptures promised that God would right all the wrongs and He would do it through His Messiah. The Scriptures promised that when Messiah comes, God's people would find blessing and hope that lasts forever. And here is Jesus saying, place your hope in me. Particularly, place your hope in me as the Son of God who has come to fulfill all the promises of God to you. So what we learn through these two narratives is that Jesus indeed is alive. The living Jesus indeed was bodily resurrected. And that the living Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises of God about a Messiah and about God delivering His people in a way that would last forever. What we see is that those who hear of Jesus and find faith in Jesus are sent to be witnesses of all they've seen and heard. We have these two miraculous stories of Christ revealing Himself, but particularly of Christ calling His followers to faith by seeing that He is the completion of all that God had promised to do and not that He is something new. So this leads us to our second and final point. This is where we find our our tangible take-homes today. Jesus and the Scripture. Why does Luke 24 put this emphasis on Jesus as the completion of the Scripture. This certainly becomes a consistent theme throughout the New Testament. Um, If you go and look at the sermons in the book of Acts, the sermons, the messages in the early church, we see Jesus is the completion of all the promises of God. The passage we looked at last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, tell us that, that Paul received and delivered to us of first importance what he received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So this emphasis it, it reveals at least three things for us. It tells us something about Jesus. It tells us something about the Scripture. And it tells us something about belief. So first, it tells us something about Jesus. This emphasis that Christ is the fulfillment of Scripture. This emphasis that the the Scriptures made it clear that the Messiah must die and suffer for the people. And that he must rise again. It tells us something about Jesus. It tells us that Jesus is not a new plan. He is the It tells us that Jesus was not God's way of cleaning up a mess, but rather the mess was God's way 
of showing us how much we need Jesus. It tells us that indeed Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. He is the chosen one who was to come from the line of Abraham and Moses and David. He is, his reign is rooted in the promises of God to Abraham and to Moses and to David and to the fathers. Our, our Christ is the Savior of the Jewish people. Our Christ is rooted in this long historical line that goes all the way back to the very beginning. God's plan, God's work, God's purpose has been unchanging for all time. Jesus is the completion of the story that began in the Garden of Eden. He is life, and His life is the answer to the problem of sin and death that enters into history and into God's story near the very So in essence, what the scriptures are, from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, are a story of God bringing deliverance to a rebellious people in such a way that that by grace and for His glory, they would enjoy His everlasting life and everlasting goodness for all time. And Jesus is the thread that holds that whole story. So it shows us something about Jesus. Second, it shows us something about the Scripture. This idea that that Christ is really driving home, that the Scriptures promised that the Messiah would come, the Scriptures promised the Messiah would die, the Scriptures promised the Messiah would rise again. It drives home for us that the Scriptures are true and they can be believed. It drives home to us that the Scriptures are true and they can be believed. They will be fulfilled. We can have confidence they will be fulfilled because they have been fulfilled in Christ. We can trust the words and the promises of God because we can see the words and the promises of God brought to completion in Jesus. Take up this afternoon Isaiah 53. And see in it a promise brought to completion in Jesus. We don't have to pick allegiance between the Word of God and Jesus. John actually tells us that Jesus is the Word of God. But but the Word of God and the Son of God testify to the same thing. That God's a promise-keeping God filled with grace and mercy toward those who trust His Son. So this theme of Christ as completion of the Scriptures should elevate the trustworthiness and the truthfulness of the Scriptures to us. So much so that in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, Jesus said, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So this theme of Christ as fulfillment tells us something about Jesus. It tells us something about the Scripture. And third, it tells us something about belief. It tells us something about faith. It tells us something about us. 
even our experiences need interpretive help. Even our experiences need interpretive help. Verse 41, after seeing and touching, they were still confused. And it was Jesus reminding them of the promises of God in the Scripture and opening their minds to understand the Scripture that caused them to realize the power of the Jesus to whom they were speaking. While our experiences are real and helpful and trust and, and important, Ultimately, we need someone outside of us to help us to interpret and make sense of our experiences. And the scriptures are God's guiding word to us to help us understand what we've seen and heard. It is God working through his word that yields faith. So people need to know Christ, but they need to know Christ rooted in the word. And so, so it is the scriptures who give us this definitive and faithful testimony of what we need to know and believe. We need the scriptures to be our guide to God and to God's truth and to God's Son and to God's ways because they were written to that end. Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. God has revealed that we might possess and we might believe. In the New Testament, it's reiterated, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, all scriptures breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God might be complete, equipped for every good work. They reveal to us our need of the Scripture to teach us and to guide us. And I want to end this way. We as followers of Jesus are people of the Word. We're people of truth. We're people who know Christ as He's been revealed to us. I want us to end by thinking about verse 32. These two men had just spent the day with Jesus. They spent the day with, with the, the resurrected Jesus teaching them from the Scripture. And here's what we're told. When he revealed himself and he disappeared from them, the resounding theme of their takeaway was, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? What I want to call on all Christians to think about here is what would it be like if we approached the scriptures believing that, that God wanted to meet with us and open our minds and our eyes to see Jesus in, in a, a saving and powerful way that would fill us with joy. I believe that, that he's eager 
to do it. I believe that by the Spirit, we can have this this same kind of encounter with Christ. So Christian, I would encourage you to take verse 32 and pray that for yourself and for your family. God, would you meet with me in the Scripture and help me see the saving power of Jesus in the Scripture in such a way that my heart would burn. It would be filled with joy. It would be filled with excitement. Work in that way, God. I believe that our consumption of Scripture is increased when we yearn and for our hearts to be stirred like that and we believe that God is eager to work like that. If you're with us today and you're not sure about who you are before Christ, I simply want to invite you to take up the words of Luke 22, 23, and 24 and pray this. God, would you show me Jesus in these scriptures? And would you give me faith? And and read and pray. And as God stirs you, we'd love to help you respond to him. But for all of us, let's see why we need to root our faith in what God has spoken, even his son. So Father, we pray now that you would speak to us from your word and show us your son. Pray this now in Jesus' name.